Thank you, Mike and Katie. And yes, welcome to uh, our Giving Day. And indeed, I guess in the context of, of Father's Day, maybe it's worth uh, kind of putting the two things together. And I guess you could say about a day like this that we want to say um, to our perfect heavenly Father, Father, we want to respond to your generosity and give back to you as an act of worship to you. That's what today is about. And indeed, we'll finish this message with, with a time of worship. We'll, we'll worship, I trust, with our giving and we'll worship with our singing. So my heart is really is this is about worship first and foremost. And uh, if you are new to all of this, you're tuning in for maybe the first time, really glad that you're here. Perhaps you're looking into the whole church thing. Uh, you're just really welcome. Welcome to join in as little or as much as you wish. I want to speak this morning from one of uh, the only one of Jesus's miracles that it was included in all four Gospels. I don't know if you know which one that is. If you do, tell the person next to you. Give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Did you get it? The only one of Jesus's miracles that's recorded in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000 or the feeding of the 20,000, as it probably more accurately is, which means there must be something pretty significant that the Gospel writers or God through them wants us to know. And uh, I think this story told across the four gospel accounts is really going to encourage us this morning as we head towards this, this moment of giving, giving into our um, COVID response fund in order that we can bless and care for those within our church family, those within our, our borough, our context here, and brothers and sisters in Christ internationally. This is going to really encourage us, I believe. And the big idea that I think God wants to communicate to you this morning through this story, through these texts, is this, that you are invited to give what you can and to give all that you can. That's the big idea this morning. We're invited to give both what we can and indeed all that we can. Let me unpack that as we go through this amazing story told through the four different gospel accounts in Mark, Matthew, Luke and John. Just let me give you a bit of, a bit of context first of all. Um, we're told from Matthew and Mark's account that Jesus has retreated to a desolate place, they say. Why? Well, he's kind of grieving. He's just heard the news that his great friend and forerunner, John the Baptist, has been executed. So he retreats uh, to pray and to, and to grieve. And we also know that it's, it's Passover. And so perhaps he wants to uh, prepare for that as well, as that is imminent. But certainly he's trying to escape from the crowds for a bit and just to kind of recharge and enjoy God. But what he doesn't particularly expect or want is for thousands of crowds to still seek him out and to still find him, even though he's tried to escape from them. Some 20,000, take the 5,000 men plus all the women and children, you've got some 20,000 people who interrupt his time of, of prayer and reflecting and grieving. And what's Jesus' response? Frustration, irritation, come back tomorrow. Not at all. Listen to what uh, we hear in Luke chapter 10, verse 11. We're told that Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Matthew 14, 14 says that he had compassion on the crowds. That's Jesus' response in this context. That, that is Jesus. And that is Jesus' church, I would put it to you. We're, we're, we're known as the body of Christ in the Bible. We are to represent, to be Christ to people. We are people who are prepared to not only uh, worship him, but to follow him and to go into, to enter into people's suffering, just like Jesus, with, with compassion, with the truth of the gospel and the kingdom of God, and with the power of the Holy Spirit to heal and to set free. 
Anyway, the story continues that this, this day of teaching and healing takes place. And at the end of the day, it's clear that there is uh, 20,000 very hungry people and no food in this desolate place to feed them. And uh, the disciples' response to this need is an interesting one. It might be yours and I's, if we're honest, in Matthew 14, 15. They say to Jesus, send the crowds away into the villages and, to tell, and tell them to buy food for themselves. In other words, tell them to go and sort out themselves. <laughs> and Jesus, in his own beautifully kind of provocative way, responds to that. And I can imagine him just like looking them straight in the eye. And he says in Matthew, Mark and Luke, we're told he says, you feed them. It's quite a, quite a moment in the text if you, if you read it. You give them something to eat, he says. And again, that's part of the nature of what the church of Jesus Christ is and is called to be. Like, the power is God's, but he loves to enact that power through us, through his people. You give them something to eat, Jesus says. And that has a very literal significance for us, isn't it, on this, on this giving Sunday? Because a large amount of the money that we are in faith looking to raise, we're looking to raise some 50,000, 25,000 of our reserves and 25,000 today. And we're looking to give around 75% of that away uh, to both the context of the borough and internationally to people who literally need feeding. So it's got a very literal significance, this command of Jesus, you give them something to eat. And the story continues as we think about how we're going to respond to Jesus's invitation or indeed command. Uh, the disciples respond to it by saying, well, we can never do that. They say it would cost half a year's wages, 200 denarii, to feed all these people. And if we go into John's account, we see this wonderful moment where, in contrast to the disciples, a boy comes forward, as probably many of us will know, with his famous five barley loaves and two pickled fish and offers them to Jesus to be able to use. In other words, this boy, unlike the disciples, comes forward to give what he can and to give all that he can. Let's think about him giving what you can or what he can. You see, if I was that boy, I don't think I would have bothered, if I'm honest, giving my uh, five barley loaves and, and, and two fish. It's like barley bread. That's the cheap stuff. It wasn't even the wheat bread, the nice things. I don't think I would have bothered at trying to feed 20,000 people with my little bit. And indeed, that's kind of what Peter says in John chapter 6 and verse 9. Peter says, what are they for so many? Referring to the fish and the bread. And what's Jesus' response? It's the total opposite of Peter. Peter dismisses the boy's gift and Jesus loves it. We're told that he receives it, he blesses it, he breaks it and he shares it. And just as an aside, log that in your mind for the moment because that's really important that Jesus receives it, blesses it, breaks it and shares it. And of course he multiplies it. He multiplies it exponentially that it feeds some 20,000 hungry people, so much so that there are 12 baskets of bread and fish left over because everybody's absolutely stuffed. It's amazing what Jesus does with the, the what that the boy was able to give. He just brought what he could. Listen, and for some of us, I, I totally get it. A kind of a giving Sunday like, like now in the midst of all of this that we're going through might seem like a, a big ask. Some of you, just some of us, just we just don't have much. This is an expensive place to live. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have got uncertainty around jobs. This is an uncertain economic climate that we are in and are heading into. Some of you are getting married. Some of you have got babies on the way. There's loads and loads of reasons to think I just haven't got very much. Like I get it. We just we just 
bought a house here. We're very blessed to do that. We knew there were things that were needed, needed to be done. Turns out there's loads more things need to be done. It feels like bills are going out the door every week. So I get it. And the wonderful encouragement from this text is we're just invited to bring and to give what we can. Be like the widow, if this is you, in, in Mark chapter 12, who just brought her two copper coins that amounted to one penny in the temple offering. And Jesus saw it and Jesus loved it. And Jesus made sure that that story went into the Bible by the power of his spirit. It's faith that Jesus loves. It's not the amount. It's faith that he loves. It's cheerful giving that he loves. It's giving that says, Jesus, you first gave yourself to me. What a a joy to give back to you, not to like earn more love or secure your love, but to give thanks to you for it. That's the heart that Jesus loves, whether it's five loaves and two fish and a couple of coins. We give what we can and it's a joy to do so. And know that God will bless it. Look at what Jesus does with those five loaves and two bread. He will multiply it and bless it and give it away. And he will bless you. That's the promise of the Bible, that God takes our cheerful, generous giving. He blesses the gift and multiplies the gift. And he blesses the giver and causes his blessing, whether it's financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever, to flow down to you when we give cheerfully and generously and sacrificially. That's encouraging. I hope you're encouraged. But we also need to be prepared to open our hearts to be challenged because the boy doesn't just give what he can, he gives all that he can. Let's think about that for a moment. See, the implication from the text are that, or from the text in John, is that the boy's five loaves and two uh, fish is not just what he has to give, it's all that he has to give. As far as we can see, he doesn't keep back any for himself, like I would. I'd just keep back a cheeky loaf of bread for my own lunch. He seems to give the whole lot, which is pretty, pretty challenging. I go back to the widow that I referred to in Mark chapter 12. She gives the little that she could, what she could. And Jesus tells us also that it was all that she could. In Mark chapter 12, uh, 40 verse 42, I think it is, uh, we're told, <clears throat> Jesus says, for they all contributed out of their abundance, referring to the rich givers. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, listen, all she had to live on. Wow, that is amazing giving. She gave not just what she could, but all that she could. Now listen, let's be honest together. We're, let's be clear, we're, we're not talking about recklessness or foolishness or like thoughtless stewardship. We're not talking about that, but we are talking about such a deep gratitude for Jesus and such a deep trust in Jesus that it's a delight to give not just what we can, but all that we can to him and to his kingdom. And the early church got hold of this. <laughs> they really got hold of this principle. Right? They had to. This story is in all four Gospels. They really got hold of this. And, and King Church, you have got hold of this for years now. And I've been so pleased to hear of things happening of late that demonstrate this kind of principle of giving both what we can and all that we can. I want to show you a great little video now uh, to show that we, you, have got hold of this. It's from my friends Miller and Jenny Rodriguez, who are much-loved members of the Heart of the Church. And let them tell you their story of experiencing uh, this giving generous principle in the life of our church of late. Hello, King Charge family. And today we want to share with you our experience, how God and the church helping us and blessing us. Um, for some years now, 
uh, my family, we have a very big uh, financial problems. And, you know, that's in 2018, a food business in Kingston Marques stopped in operation because the decision decide and of old pop-ups. Yeah, in the same year I lost my job as well, unfortunately. The company where I was working for five years decided to withdraw the market because of Brexit. So it was making a, a big impact for us financially. Uh, because basically was my first income and secondly because to find a job during that time was very hard. Uh, the, the redundancy package we use for or in visas because we have to apply for the indefinite to remain. So we are family of five so we have to use all the money that we get from there. Uh, during that time I tried to find a job. I tried to get a new opportunities and new different industries uh, on the same activities I'm doing it. But unfortunately it wasn't easy for me to get a job. Uh when I see this, this situation about the financial problem and also when I see my husband too upset about this and decide to get the second job and to help with more incomes and also I, 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 I see was really not enough. Exactly. So it was very hard to pay the debts in that time. Thank God I get a job for one year contract. I dropped in the income because it was the only opportunity I saw during that time. But in the same year, I decided to maintain the business, trying to be in some festivals. The income I get for both parties, we're trying to leave, but we couldn't pay the creditors. We still debt some money. Um, the Charles always with, with, always with, with, with us. They always helping us, praying together. Or Little Ross always he's asking me how is everything. Member from the Connie group also. We try to be connected and every Sunday in the church we pray together for solution of this problem. But the situation wasn't, wasn't changed at all. Uh, we have a very good expectation for this year because we noticed that probably the food business is going to be growing first in the festivals and second to get a catering service. But unfortunately for COVID, it changed totally the game of our plans and it was very devastating situation for me. Even though one day in the Connie group, uh, uh, online, uh, the people from the from, from the college room noticed that I was very desperate, I was very upset because in that day basically I get a call from the bank telling me that my debt was not anymore in collections, they pass it to the um, different department that probably is going to be a big situation for my credit life and probably going to the court. So this day was very hard for me and my leader and my friends from, from the church, they noticed it. So a few days later, they contact us again and they say that the church have been decided to create a pot uh, for helping us and supporting us financially. This was a very big impact for me and we are, as a family, we are very happy because the income we got, we can get, we can solve the solution for the bank. And I wanted to thank you to the church because thank of this uh, help that you provide to us and that generosity, we family are now safe, I can say. My mind is more clear now because before I couldn't even think what to do. And during the time and the process we solved these payments, we got the opportunity to open again our business. And we're doing basically the business from home now. We're doing delivery service. And probably some of you already have a food in your house. And we are happy for that. So thank God and thank you for the king chores that you always been together with us and 
very supporting us all the situation we have. So this is what we wanted to share today. And you never have to forget that God always with us and the faith have to be strong and believe that He always can do anything. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Miller and Jenny, and, and, and thank you, King's Church. Really encouraging to see uh, that kind of community at work, giving what we can. And, and maybe for some of you, I don't know, it might have felt like giving all that you can uh, for the good of those in the church. And that is just like the early church in Acts. It's just like the kind of prototype church in the way in which they shared with each other. Uh, listen to Acts 4 verse 34. It says, There was not a needy person among them in that first church, for as many as were owners of lands or houses and sold them, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to any as had need. In other words, that early church gave what they could and in some cases they gave all that they could and God blessed them greatly. God blessed that first church in Acts greatly and all the, the many churches that came from them. And in terms of our, our giving, the New Testament's pretty clear that, that, the, that we, there should be a particular primary concern for what Paul uh, calls the, the household of faith. In, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We have a primary initial concern for those within the family of God. And that's why of the money that we give, and we're going in faith for 25000 to go alongside the 25000 for our reserves. Uh, the first 25% of that we want to go into an emergency fund uh, for the church. But as we go down the track, if really hard times come, we're able to really help and bless each other. That might well go in conjunction with discipleship around financial planning and stewardship and a, a partnership with uh, CAP and so on and so forth. It would be a holistic sense of care, but we want to be able to have storehouses that we can give away to each other, to look after each other in these uncertain times. But the early church didn't only look after the household of faith. They were committed to caring for anyone and everyone in the context, the city in which they were planted. Uh, they heeded, I think, the instructions that Paul passes on uh, in Galatians 2 verse 10 when he says the apostles told him above all else to remember the poor, which has been a key phrase actually in the in the, our family of churches over the last the last few years. And so that's why the second 25% of the £50,000 that we want to be able to give away is to go into the, the borough of Kingston, the projects through the churches that are seeking to bless people, whether they're of other faith, no faith. We just want to bless them and support them and provide for them in these tough, tough times. And uh, that's always been a part. That has always been a part of how the early church has given. It's always sought to give generously to people in its community. I want to reach, read to you a quote, which I, I love, uh, which is from uh, the 4th century Roman emperor Julian. He wasn't a Christian, quite the opposite. He, he, he hated Christianity. He referred to them as atheists because they defied the God of his pagan, of his pagan worship. And uh, he wrote this to a, uh, to a senior servant. He says about the Christians of the fourth century in the middle in the, the known world, atheism has been special referring to Christianity, has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew, Christian in his, in his, his sense, who is a beggar, and that these godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. In other words, he's saying, I reject their faith entirely, but I cannot argue with the outworking of their faith towards uh, our people. 
And I think we, we saw a great example of that in a, uh, a week or two ago when we showed that great video that the church in Kingston put together as regards the initial surge of support, um, particularly through feeding people in, in the borough when the uh, COVID-19 pandemic first kind of struck. And it was so encouraging, wasn't it, to see uh, the council I'm not for a moment comparing to the Emperor Julian, but the council saying thank you, thank you and well done church for allowing so many people to have been loved and looked after at this time. And so the second 25% of our of our giving is going to go towards uh, particularly Kingston Food Bank through our friends Dr. Dale Community Church who, who founded that, that food bank. And we're going to hear now from Paul Pickover who is the founder of Kingston Food Bank and pastor of Dr. Dale Community Church and he's going to encourage us in our giving to that particular end. Hi, I'm Paul Pickhaver. In 2006, the phrase food bank entered the Oxford English Dictionary. And yet now it's almost impossible to watch the TV or read a paper without coming across the phrase food bank. You know, we grew up in a world without food banks, and yet today we find that they're needed more than ever. And here in Kingston, through Kingston Food Bank, just last year over 6,000 people received some help through the food banks here that operate in six local churches. Kingston Food Bank partners with over 200 frontline agencies here in Kingston who refer people to the food bank for help. They can be people who are in crisis for a number of reasons. They may be out of work, uh, there may be people who have no recourse to public funds or it could be people who are in work but on a low income but for whatever reason there is a crisis that someone is seeking to support that person with and while they're doing that they're sent to food bank where they can get help and a listening ear Caroline Kerr, I'm the leader of Kingston Council. I've been to the food hub, I've seen the kettle packs being put together and met some of the people who are making the frozen meals at Kingsgate and I'm absolutely blown away by the work that you're doing. You know sometimes it looks like we're living through a dystopian film except in dystopian films people become brutalised and nasty and what you're showing is that absolutely the opposite can be true. So thank you for all the practical work you're doing every day but also for giving us hope. At the start of this pandemic, Kingston Food Bank, partnering with local churches, began to run the Katie Church's emergency food response. And since that time, through the generosity of people who have donated food, who have given funds, and over 100 volunteers who have given time, we've been able to deliver 3,000 boxes of food to families locally. And through the other parts of the project, over 10,000 frozen meals have been distributed, and thousands of items of baby equipment and formula milk and baby food. And there's opportunities to continue to support Kingston Food Bank and the work it's doing in this borough. Now you can look at the Kingston Food Bank website for ways that you can continue to donate funds, that you can give food and that you can volunteer your time. I hear people say to me thank you for the work that Kingston Food Bank does and I really want to pass on that thanks to people in the churches who watch this, who are giving food, who give funds, who give their time. Thank you for what you do to meet the needs of some of the most vulnerable people in our borough. So 25% of, of your giving to a church emergency fund, 25% to uh, our great friends, Dr. Day Community Church at the Food Bank and to associated church projects like Kingsgate uh, Hot Meals and, Doc, and, and uh, Grow Baby and so forth. 
And then the remaining 50%, we want to go to uh, brothers and sisters in Christ internationally who are facing particularly acute need <clears throat> as a result of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and all its associated effects. And this is not something that we've kind of made up as a good idea for, for now. Again, this has been always been right at the heart of the early church's understanding of what it meant to give away resources and money. Uh, you see uh, Paul concerned with exactly this kind of giving in other parts of his letters. I love the way that he approaches it in 2 Corinthians. You see him encouraging the churches in Corinth to uh, imitate the churches in Macedonia in order to bring an offering to the struggling churches in Jerusalem. Because he and they know they are part of a broader household of faith. They're part of the family of God, the bride of Christ globally. Listen to what he says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1 to 5. And indeed, I think Patrick referred to this wonderful scripture on, on Thursday evening at our Vision and Community Night. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So you've got the Macedonian church, who themselves, it says, are in extreme poverty. So they, they just gave according to their means. In other words, they gave what they could. And they overflowed, the text says, in generosity. They didn't just give according to their means. It says they gave beyond their means. In other words, yeah, you got it. They gave both what they could and they also gave all that they could. It's absolutely compelling picture, I think, of the kind of generosity on show in the church. And you've got Paul, who's this apostolic figure who's knitting these churches together, not just in like doctrinal unity, but also in loving generosity, relational, familial uh, connection and unity to each other. And that's one of the reasons, King's Church, why it's always been a privilege to be part of uh, New Frontiers. It's been a family of churches together on a mission now for over 40 years. A family of churches on a mission together. And more recently, it's been families of churches on, on missions together. And our particular family within New Frontiers, as you know, is, is called New Ground. And it's been our privilege, as I've already mentioned, for, for the, the core team in New Ground, who you might describe as like small A apostles with a, a gifting to oversee a family of churches who've made the ask of us and said, King's Church, New Ground Churches, would you consider giving internationally, particularly through us, to three particular international contexts that are in acute, acute need? And it's Zimbabwe and Kenya and India, our New Frontiers context. We talked to you through Scott Marks, who referred to this same passage in, in his context in Zimbabwe. And I want to now show you a video from a guy called Edward Burrier, who is a, a New Frontiers small a apostle if you like in Kenya and that surrounding region he's been doing this for almost 30 years so you don't know him but he's well known to our broader family of churches as a real man of God leading hundreds of churches literally in that in that region and he wanted to bring just a clear ask to churches like us in the big family frontiers as well so let's hear from him yes friends watching this uh, video clip I come to you uh, with an appeal uh, because 
what has happened is all of a sudden because of the impact of COVID-19, many lives in our country are facing starvation. The government had to come up with measures to stamp out the spread of COVID-19 through the community African way of living. And that meant what? Lockdowns. That meant what? Uh, some places have completely been sealed off so that there is no movement of hum human beings. And because of that, because there was no measures put in place to be able to cater for uh, the eventuality of people losing food, missing food, we find ourselves having to respond uh, by giving people either food where we are able to reach, uh, that is during the day, where curfew is not, uh, uh, where we know that curfew will not be able to catch up with us, and in some other places it's just buying food from stores and retailers that we've built a relationship with over the last 20 years or so of our ministry because this is not the first time we're responding to a crisis although COVID-19 happens to be the greatest crisis I've ever encountered in my 20 plus years of having to respond to different types of uh, crisis in our country and therefore we are forced to quickly and urgently make sure that we respond as quick as possible so that we can be able to save lives no one of us knows how long will this continue and as you watch this day, I'm making a passionate appeal uh, because I know if we do not respond immediately and if we do not continue to provide relief to many people, possibilities are there for many to die, not because of COVID-19, but because of starvation. What the people need is food on the table. Otherwise, we lose them. So it's that response where we're responding to an emergency by providing the basic necessities and uh, in our case at the moment what we are doing is uh, is sending out either the transfer the cash transfer through the mobile uh, uh, banking or where we're not able where we're able to use uh, ask our pastors to uh, provide the relief it's a package that goes on providing uh, relief and uh, cushioning families for at least a week before the next transfer is made uh, we are also, alongside the food that we are providing, we're trying to help families and communities and the people that we are trying to reach to uh, with the necessities, things like masks, you know, mouth masks, just to make sure that, face masks, just to make sure that they do not contract the virus, which, like we know, the mode of transmission is the drops from either sneezing or coughing. Uh, things like also uh, buying of soap because we also know that uh, continuous clean cleaning of hands is very, very crucial in eradicating the virus. But also, in some cases, we've been forced to, to buy, uh, you know, infrared thermometers just to help some of the pastors as they provide relief to be able to take temperatures of the people they're reaching out to. So once again, I come to you and I'm asking through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and let's help the many people that need that help now. Wow, what a, what a call and what a privilege to be able, I think, to give in to something like this, such acute need. And we have the privilege, like the Macedonian and Corinthian churches, to, to give of our resources and see God multiply it and bless uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. So 50% 
of the money that, that you bring into the storehouse. We're aiming for £50,000. We're going we're gonna to send through our new ground family into those three specific uh, broader new frontiers contexts in India, Kenya, in Zimbabwe. And it's going to be a joy, I believe, to do so. Let me just share with you a couple of practicals and then I'll close with one with one final thought. In a moment, the, the giving button will come up and you can click on that. I trust many of us desire to do so as an act of worship. And for some of you, it might just be actually, it's less initially about the COVID response fund that you'll see there. It's actually just about the general fund of church life. Maybe for some of you don't yet uh, commit to monthly giving to the general fund of the church. What a great opportunity uh, to do so today. And to, as I often say, to get onto the highway of giving on via that kind of initial slip road of just monthly regular tithings. And then for those of us that do want to give in additionally to this COVID response fund, you'll see it marked accordingly. You can do a couple of things. You can set up a, a monthly giving. So there's an ongoing uh, money coming in that we can play the long game with as these, uh, this issue kind of rolls on over the coming months and perhaps even years. Or, and you can give a, a one-off donation to this COVID response fund so that we're able to kind of propel as many finances as quickly as possible into these areas of need. And as I say, in a moment, that button will come up and you can click and just begin to do that as an act of worship. There'll be some music to help us do that. And then we'll transition into some singing together so that it's all an act of worship as we close this morning's service. Let me just close this message by just leaving you with this final, uh, final thought. Let me take you back to that scene that we started off with Jesus in that desolate place with these thousands and thousands of hungry, hungry people. And this boy brings what he had and all that he had uh, to Jesus. These five loaves and bread and the text say that he took it, he blessed it, he broke it and he shared it with the people. And that was at Passover time. Remember I mentioned that. Jesus is second of his earthly ministry Passovers. And so the following year, I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He always did. Because the following year, there's his final Passover. He did something very similar, didn't he? With his disciples reclining at table. He took bread. He blessed bread. He broke bread. He shared bread with his disciples. But this time, he said something different. He said, take, eat, for this is my body. For this is my body. You see, in Jesus, we... We have one who gave what he could and all that he could. He is the bread of life, broken for you and I on the cross so that we might have abundant resurrection life. I want to encourage you in these moments of giving and singing to, to feed on him, as it were. To enjoy and feed on his sacrificial, abundant, generous giving of himself to you and I. This is Jesus who, though he was rich beyond all measure in heavenly places, the Bible tells us he, he became poor in order that we who are utterly spiritually impoverished can become rich and be given a heavenly, eternal inheritance with God forever beyond our wildest dreams. If you're not yet a Christian, we'd love to encourage you to click on that button that says, I want to follow Jesus, because this is he's right here for you. He gave everything for you, that you might have everything with him, with God, forever. And so we're going to just worship Jesus most of all. Let's come and worship together. Let's give cheerfully and generously. And let's trust God to take whatever our five loaves and two fish are and to multiply them and to bless them, and to cause many, many people to be fed and blessed and cared for.